Hello, welcome to the podcast Psychiatry Talk. I'm Dr. Michael Blumenfield, the Sidney E. Frank Distinguished Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at New York Medical College and currently in private practice in Woodland Hills, Los Angeles, California. This podcast will examine various topics in psychiatry and mental health. This will include new interviews with experts in various areas, as well as interviews I've recorded in the past. I will also personally discuss subjects that I've written about in my blog, psychiatrytalk.com, or on new topics. Your comments will always be welcome at mblumenfield at gmail.com. That's mblumenfield, B-L-U-M-E-N-F-I-E-L-D, at gmail.com. And now let's get going with today's podcast. My guest today is Dr. Alfred M. Friedman, one of the great men in American psychiatry. Dr. Friedman was the 102nd president of the American Psychiatric Association, 1972-1973, and he is chairman and professor emeritus of New York Medical College. I'm delighted to be here. In fact, uh, not too long ago, I understand you celebrated your 90th birthday, so, so congratulations to you. Thank you. From your perspective, Dr. Friedman, how has American psychiatry changed over the years? Well, I began my residency in psychiatry in July 1948, which is almost getting on to 60 years. And the change has been profound. I was a resident at Bellevue Hospital, and I remember vividly the the seventh floor uh, where the disturbed patients were. And... uh, it certainly was a, uh, a snake pit. I mean, patients who were uh, over-sedated with sodium amytal, the smell of peraldehyde was in the air, which is a very strong uh, sedative that uh, really knocked patients out. And uh, numbering camisole all bound up and uh, with really no treatment, just uh, really holding them. Since that time, Psychiatry has changed immensely. The introduction of psychotropic drugs has changed the uh, the whole management of patients very much. And psychiatry has gone through uh, several phases. When I first came in, psychoanalytic, uh, uh, psychoanalysis was preeminent, and everybody was uh, getting psychoanalytic training. Uh, This uh, changed into a more social approach during the Kennedy administration and then in which it was felt that the environment uh, and society were the key factors and that uh, various social improvements uh, would uh, be uh, the way to go for therapy. And then with the uh, emergence of various psychotropic drugs for psychosis and for uh, uh, depression particularly, uh, it became much more biological for a period. And uh, it was felt that uh, every disorder had sort of a center in the brain and that uh, each one was amenable to specific treatment by drugs. But this gradually with experience has changed into what I consider the present very productive period, namely the adoption of a biopsychological model 
in which there's integration of all the factors so that, uh, and they are uh, interdependent so that it's not one influencing the other, but each one is part of the other and an integrative model. And so that for each, uh, for each emotion, there is a, uh, uh, a brain response, or not a response, but an, uh, an, an action simultaneous. And uh, there's more and more work going on in, in this, uh, in uh, the use of uh, various new technologies, uh, uh, the MRI, the functional MRI, and other, other methods, so that the various emotional states, the concomitant in the brain, becomes evident. And uh, this, I think, is the integrative model, as a matter of fact. For a time, I uh, edited a journal called Integrative Psychiatry. I think that's the way we're going, which is productive. You know, you also, Dr. Friedman, played a very important role in organized psychiatry. Uh, and your, the circumstances that led to you becoming the 102nd president of the American Psychiatric Association really are quite interesting because you became, uh, you reached that position as a petition candidate. And I'm wondering if you could describe the circumstances that uh, brought that about. Well, that was, a, for me, an exciting period of time. As the uh, election for the in 1972 uh, approach that was held in February, in the fall of 1971, uh, a, a group of uh, young psychiatrists organized uh, and called themselves uh, the Committee of Concerned Psychiatrists. Prior to this, there had been, one must recall, that uh, the uh, turmoil and the uh, uh, desire for reform and for change was preeminent in the 1960s. And uh, this uh, had its effect uh, on uh, various aspects of our society and also on the American Psychiatric Association. There were, uh, at that time, two big issues that uh, caused a lot of uh, agitation. One was uh, opposition to the Vietnam War and a desire to have the APA take a position opposing the war and requesting bringing it to an end. Uh, the second big issue uh, concerned the labeling of homosexuality as a disease, as it was in the official classification of the APA, uh, DSM-2, where homosexuality was clustered with various perversions, uh, pedophilia, uh, and uh, all the whole host of such aberrations. And uh, uh, there was great feeling as uh, the, uh, that this uh, should be ended. The, uh, the Committee for Concerned Psychiatrists uh, approached me uh, to be the, uh, uh, the candidate. Uh, the, from the end of World War II until uh, this 19, into 1970s, the APA had been run by a clique. It was an old boys club, and that uh, they, uh, the nominating committee would uh, present a slate of, uh, with single uh, candidates for each office, and they would automatically be elected. 
uh, and it was termed an old boys club. And there, there was great uh, uh, resentment and resistance because that group resisted any change or reform, particularly in regard to the Vietnam War, or homosexuality, or any number of other, other issues of the day. Uh, there had been a uh, petition candidate uh, in the election of 1971 who'd been defeated uh, by a vote of about, uh, I think, he got 40% or something that like that. That was Dr. Greenspoon? No, no, no. The, yeah, Lesser Greenspoon right. uh, to be the petition candidate for the 1972 election. I opposed it at first and uh, uh, finally, as I recall, in December, uh, I, uh, with the promise that I would be defeated, uh, I accepted uh, uh, running. Now, during your presidential year, as you mentioned, a very historic event took place, and that was the event concerning the position that the American Psychiatric Association took on homosexuality. Can you explain how that came about? Uh, this followed all the uh, agitation the desire for change and reform uh, that took place in the 60s and early 70s. Uh, and one of the big issues of the day was that uh, homosexuality, which uh, had been uh, classified in the official classification DSM-2 uh, as a perversion, along with pederasty and uh, uh, other, other such syndromes. And uh, this labeling received great objection, uh, so that uh, uh, there was great spirit of the times. In the 1971 APA meeting in San Francisco, uh, a member of the APA, who was homosexual, gave a talk at a plenary session, but he wore a mask to indicate the uh, repression or an aura oppression of homosexuals. The, uh, there was support from various areas. Uh, the homosexual community had uh, worked with Robert Spitzer, who uh, was a psychiatrist at uh, the Columbia Medical School. And uh, he uh, uh, prepared, well, first he uh, raised the question and uh, he was appointed uh, the chair of a task force to look into homosexuality. And I was glad that uh, it was during my um, president-elect period that I strongly supported his appointment. And uh, Bob Spitzer prepared a document proposing and supporting uh, the, uh, the dropping of homosexuality from uh, the official classification. Uh, but he was not the only force. The uh, APA board itself and the members were strongly in favor of it. And as a matter of fact, in the 1972 uh, meeting, which was in Hawaii, one of the members of the newly elected board uh, made a motion to, uh, to ha cease listing uh, homosexuality uh, as a disorder. But we felt that this was too soon, that it should not be an action of the board itself, but the assembly and uh, the various committees should uh, take part in this uh, development. Do you recall if, yeah. if this resolution was debated in the assembly of the... Oh, American? yes. It was debated in the assembly, in the Committee on Nomenclature, in the Committee on Research, and 
I think, in the uh, Joint Reference Committee. And uh, this is very important because uh, of subsequent events. And finally came to the board in, on December the 15th, 1973. Uh, the, uh, and one of the other important things was that uh, because of the, uh, up, uh, of the desire for reform within the APA in the uh, election of 1972, a whole new board was, I mean, uh, not a whole new board because there's holdovers, but uh, a large number of uh, uh, new candidates uh, were elected to the board of trustees who had not been on the board before. They were uh, people who uh, were supporters of the Committee of Concerned Psychiatrists, and they were committed to uh, the issues that I mentioned in regard to the Vietnam War and to homosexuality. So we had a majority of the board uh, in favor of the change, and the election was very important because the, the board of the previous year would never have supported the change in homosexuality. So this was the so, election where you were running? No, the, the, this was, was the previous one where Dr. Greenspoon was running. Yeah, Greenspo you see, uh, right. uh, in the election of 1973, that is in February 1973, whole new board of, of uh, reform-minded candidates was elected. Do you recall any of the particular compromises that were done? Yes, uh, for example, uh, uh, the the resolution that we presented uh, said that uh, homosexuality, per se, is not a mental disorder. And uh, it was felt that uh, uh, this was uh, uh, not necessary, that homos uh, homosexuality uh, was not a mental disorder. And uh, uh, there were other statements that, uh, for example, uh, there was a, uh, uh, a statement in the resolution that homosexuality is a normal variant, and that was struck out. Uh, I uh, was not perturbed by any of the changes because I felt very definitely that uh, we had to pass that resolution and that these minor changes would be altered. Was there a and sense in the board that you were making a, an historic decision? I don't know if it was, well, we did because uh, we had uh, uh, the, uh, quite a number of uh, members of the homosexual community were waiting outside because they knew we were going to have a vote. Uh, it, uh, uh, we had a news conference following which uh, Bob Spitzer and I and John Spiegel, who was president-elect, uh, participated, and it was covered. Uh, in the New York Times and the Washington Post, excuse me, on the front page on December the 16th. Uh, we felt that that was an important occasion. Uh, but this was verified uh, in 1999. In 1999, the Washington Post, in anticipation of the year 2000, every day during 1999, they published on the front page what they considered the outstanding story during the century uh, that was published in the Washington Post. And on December the 16th, uh, 1999, the Washington Post selected the APA charging or stating that homosexuality was not a disease as 
the story of the century, and which was, of course, very gratifying and exciting, but I think it indicated. I think if I may go back to the, uh, the election uh, of the board, uh, the, uh, the resolution was adopted unanimously with two abstentions. We had strong opposition from two psychoanalysts who, were, who came and were given the permission to address the board. They made rather very strong, vehement statements in opposition. Do you recall and they were the, Irving Bieber, mm -hmm. member of our department, interesting, and uh, Dr. Saccharides, I think it's Charles Saccharides, yes. who also was a well-known uh, supporter of the psychoanalytic uh, uh, weak father, strong mother. What, what was their yeah. main thesis? Their main thesis was that, uh, that uh, homosexuality uh, was a disorder that arose in childhood from uh, parental uh, actions, that there was a weak father and a strong mother, and that this gave rise to homosexuality. And as a matter of fact, Irving Bieber, Bieber and his colleagues published a book in which this was the thesis, and which I criticized very strongly because they selected patients from their practice. And this is no representative population. As a scientific study, which they purported it was, it was a joke. Anyway. And they, was there... Was there counter-arguments also presented at the board uh, by other experts that uh, influenced the decision? Well, the main statement was made in the res statement, and the rest of us joined in and, and supported uh, Bob Spitzer's statement, I think. Uh, various members of the board, John Spiegel and I, of course, so strongly supported. But the other, other members, uh, people like uh, Jack Weinberg, Leon Eisenberg, uh, who were a member of the board. Alan Stone was a member of the board, uh, Judd Marmer. And the Spitzer paper had summarized the other point of view. Yes, it, uh, and pointed out that uh, uh, homosexuality was not a disorder. But they, Bieber and Socrates were not satisfied uh, with the election, and they uh, uh, drew up and insisted on a referendum. A referendum to the members of the American the members of the American Psychiatric Association, and uh, they felt unquestionably that uh, uh, the action of the board would be uh, rescinded, uh, which <laughs> I thought was uh, ridiculous. But anyway, uh, uh, the uh, res we we prepared uh, with uh, a a statement of the board supporting our resolution. And Bob Spitzer again played a prominent role in it. There and, was a there was a referendum. There, there was a referendum at the next election, which was uh, February, as the usual election time. And uh, the recall was roundly defeated by a vote of two to one, approximately. Well, that's uh, now, uh, I might just add that uh, all through the years since then, uh, various, uh, particularly right-wing religious groups have criticized the APA, and their statement was that uh, uh, we were, the leadership uh, and Bob Spitzer, we were all biased and bought out by the homosexual community, and that it did not represent the opinion of the membership that we, in a sense, sort of, uh, almost, you know, uh, in the dead of night passed it and sneaked it through. 
which was, of course, uh, not true because we had the referendum. And it's a statement that keeps on reappearing. So the referendum I, really confirmed the, that it was the voice It showed of the that the membership strongly supported the homosexual change. I think that's you know, really very important. And uh, that and the confirmation in 1999 of the importance. And uh, this continues to be an important statement. I might say uh, that uh, I was interviewed about a year ago by a professor of history. said he was amazed to learn that I was still alive. Wanted to, yeah, he was interviewing various people on the history. Well, that's really a, a, a very important story that you've told here, and I really appreciate that. You must be very pleased and proud that you played this important role in American psychiatry. Yes, I did. Although I must admit that at the time, I did not think that was the most important thing we did. Well, that, that, that leads yeah. me to what I wanted to ask you next, and that is, as you look back on your career in, in psychiatry, uh, are there any other moments that you would like to uh, note that you're particularly yeah. proud of? Well, I think, in retrospectively, the, the change in homosexuality was, was the high point. Um, uh, but there, there were other things. For example... Uh, this was a time of Watergate and uh, all the uh, furor over Nixon. And uh, uh, this was a time when Nixon's plumbers broke into the office of Dr. Fielding, a psychoanalyst who was this, the psychoanalyst for Ellsberg, who had revealed or given the Pentagon Papers uh, to the newspapers. And uh, we were very distressed, outraged, uh, by this breach of confidentiality. And uh, under the leadership of the APA, we organized a, uh, a national council, the confidentiality of uh, medical records. And uh, it was a broad, all the leading medical organizations, the surgeons, AMA, and others joined in and I was privileged to be the first president, uh, or the president all the way through uh, the organization. I felt that was very important. Another uh, event in my presidency was a, I, I led a, uh, a group uh, to the Soviet Union at the regional meeting uh, of the uh, w World Psychiatric Association. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was held in Yerevan, in Soviet Armenia and Tbilisi, uh, Soviet Georgia. And before the meeting, uh, I wrote to the president of the All-Union Psychiatric Association, Professor Shneznevsky, and said that we wish to raise the question of psychiatric abuse, which was a very big issue at that time. And uh, we also wanted to interview detainees in uh, psychiatric hospitals, political individuals who uh, had been inappropriately hospitalized. And uh, after uh, saying that we wouldn't come unless we had that assurance, so we, uh, they gave us that assurance. It was, I, uh, that's a whole long story of uh, our adventures in, in, in this. But when we finally came uh, to the end, they said they would have a meeting in the uh, Serbsky Institute, which was the uh, psychiatric hospital for the criminally insane and uh, uh, unfortunately or to our regret they just presented cases 
without uh, any opportunity to interview. And there were obviously cases of long-standing uh, schizophrenia who had nothing to do with uh, political dissidents. So that uh, was a failure. But it marked the uh, beginning of a very active phase of the APA that continued for years uh, in uh, opposing psychiatry, the abuse of psychiatry and the abuse of psychiatrists uh, in, in the Soviet Union. Uh, that uh, I think was contributed, at least in part, to the eventual changes that took place. I know that your interest in this subject has continued and that you continue to speak out about modern issues, including the interrogation of prisoners oh, yeah. and the role of psychiatrists in executions. Right. And I wonder if you want to mention anything about that. These were issues that a modern psychiatry and our assembly of the American Psychiatric Association oh, yes. I, I continues think, to debate. I think that was a very important issue and uh, many of us were involved in it. Uh, as a past president, I'm a member of the board in perpetuity and I was one among many uh, who uh, took a very strong stand against psychiatrists participating in the interrogation of, of detainees, particularly in Guantanamo, but also Abu Ghraib and, and other places where psychologists and psychiatrists had been involved. Uh, the board, as you recall, uh, passed a resolution that unequivocally stated psychiatrists should not participate uh, in the interrogation of detainees. As did the assembly. No, no, I, I mean to correct you that uh, the assembly changed the wording. That's true. And changed the wording that uh, uh, many of us felt uh, really vitiated the strength of the, because it said, as I recall, in, uh, in crucial uh, episodes and sort of left the loophole so that in certain circumstances. And uh, we had a big debate in the, the board and uh, I must say the president, uh, Steve Sharpstein at that time, and Paul Applebaum, took a strong stand, uh, which I had been sending email after email uh, to them. And so the board passed its original statement, rejecting the changes that the assembly had made. And then the resolution was sent again to the assembly. I guess it was in the uh, Toronto meeting. Right. And it, it, the assembly approved. The assembly ultimately by, approved yeah, it, yes. Actually, they approved by, again, sort of a two-to-one vote. Right. And uh, because I think it had been pushed through by a couple of forensic psychiatrists, probably felt threatened that uh, by I, I, this. I think and, a uh, and the assembly, I don't think, was aware of that. When, but when they did, when this came, I remember that Paul Applebaum and Steve Sharpstein appeared before the assembly. Th that's true. The first time I think the assembly was somewhat sympathetic to the dilemma of the military psychiatrists who felt that they yeah. could represent. Uh, the patient's mental problems by, by somehow being there. Yeah. But ultimately, as the whole issue was further considered yeah. with uh, Dr. Applebaum and Sharfstein's uh, uh, opinions on it, ultimately did pass the same resolution mm -hmm. that the board, and right. it did become the policy of the American Psychiatric right. Association. Well, what do, you, what do you see in the future? What kind of issues do you think American psychiatry is going to be dealing with in the future? Well, I think primarily... Uh, we are going to be continue to be concerned uh, with the being uh, advocates for the health, 
the treatment situation of the mentally ill. I think that is our primary responsibility and it's in our charter. We should look to the, uh, and we should care for the mentally ill. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, we have to play a role in the, uh, in the practice of psychiatry, particularly the role of psychiatrists in this time of uh, great change with HMOs and with various regulations and new ones that are impending uh, that uh, uh, may be very difficult for the practice of psychiatry so that uh, the APA has to play a, uh, uh, a role as advocates of the practicing psychiatrist so that uh, the psychiatrist is better able to serve the welfare of the mentally ill. I think that uh, uh, there is a big role in the public and uh, private care of the mentally ill and various facilities, institutions, uh, other. And then there's a big role in research that uh, to uh, promote and encourage uh, research of all sorts in uh, uh, the, the care of the mentally ill. Not only the uh, direct, but in terms of uh, psychobiological studies, but for example, epidemiological studies are, are very important, and to study the uh, uh, the welfare. For example, I have been fascinated in during the past year by data that has been emerging that shows that the average lifespan of a schizophrenic and mentally ill person is 53 years, which is some 25 years shorter than uh, uh, the ordinary population, which means that we have a big job to do to try to find out why our patients are being deprived of 25 years of life. What this has to do, is it negligence of the care? Is it their bad habits? Or is it some other factor that we don't know? I think that's a very important area. And I think that as modern psychiatrists, today's psychiatrists, continue to represent the needs of our patients and the interests of our patients, we have the heritage uh, and the history of Dr. Friedman standing with us uh, and uh, his experience to draw upon. This concludes today's podcast. Your comments are always welcome at mblumenfield at gmail.com. That's M-B-L-U-M-E-N-F-I-E-L-D at gmail.com. This is Dr. Michael Bluenfield wishing you a pleasant day.